The Plumbing Marketing Profits Podcast. Interviews with million-dollar-plus plumbing and HVAC business owners on how they market and grow their companies in today's economy. Hear directly from the most successful leaders in your business and discover what they are doing to keep their phone ringing, trucks running, and businesses booming. With your host, Josh Nelson. Well, hello. This is Josh Nelson with the Plumbing and HVAC Marketing Podcast. And I am super excited today to be interviewing Josh Kelly from Parker & Sons, um, arguably one of the largest plumbing HVAC home service companies in the United States. And uh, Josh is a really strategic person at the company, um, handles a lot of the marketing initiatives. And uh, I recently came in communication with him in the Plumbing and HVAC Marketing Mastermind. And uh, he also runs a really cool review platform that a lot of our clients use and get great results from. And, uh, you know, he kind of put out out into the ether, look, my company is on pace potentially to do $100 million this year. And I was like, man, that's what this show is all about. It's about interviewing the best of the best, the people that are really making things happen. So I am super excited to have Josh with us today. So Josh, thanks so much for welcoming, well, joining us. Yeah, no worries. And I don't know if you're getting the, the best of the best might be an exaggeration, but I'm great at stealing ideas and executing. So I'm good at some things, we'll call it that. They say the best marketers are are thieves right they, they take yeah. the best ideas and they execute repurpose is what we like to call it here but yeah yeah repurpose <laughs> that's a good way to, that's a good way to say it so yeah. i gave a little, a little bit of my snapshot but obviously you you can share with the, the audience a little bit more about where you're at as a company so just kind of tell us what parker and sons is all about kind of how the scope of the operation yeah yeah so uh parker and sons we're a family-owned business it's actually my family that owns the business um I did the marketing for him for about 13 years, really up until January, I was fully doing the marketing. Now I've stepped back a little bit because I'm running Review Kangaroo on a day-to-day basis. Um, but we grew, bought the business about 13 years ago. At the time, it was about a $6.5 million business, had about 30 employees. Um, this year, we're actually on track to hit maybe 110, 105. Uh, but I don't think we'll keep that up. I think we'll end up hitting about 100. We, hit, we did 82 last year. Um, so pretty crazy growth, um, but that's kind of normal for us. That's not, that's the biggest dollar growth, but the percentage is about right, uh, about what we normally grow every single year. Um, and we do just Phoenix area, all residential service. We really don't do any commercial, uh, no new construction. Um, it's just houses. You know, we're in anywhere from 700 to 900 houses a day. You know, we got just at our 450 employee last month. Um, so some pretty crazy growth and and uh, exciting stuff. That is that is pretty exciting. And um, so, I mean, eighty million for most of our listeners. That's just that's just staggering. Um, it's a lot of houses. <laughs> that's that's a lot of houses. Um, how how far up on the ladder does that stack you guys in terms of the the biggest in the in the industry? Do you know? Um, no, I, I mean I I know for the most part. Um, if you were to take most of the largest players in the United States, I actually work with them through Review Kangaroo. So, I mean, we're not the biggest by any means. You got Horizon in Philadelphia, was just probably the biggest. You got Four Seasons, um, Jerry Kelly. Um, we're probably maybe the edge of the top five size wise, definitely top 10, at least for residential. Um, there are some new construction companies that are pretty huge too, but we don't do any new construction. Right. Yeah. Awesome. So that I mean that that's amazing. So you guys, you know, brace yourselves. There's going to be some cool insights on this on this interview. Not every day we get to talk to one of the top five largest plumbing HVAC companies in the industry and how they market themselves. 
Um, but before we go there, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, how did you get involved in the business, and kind of what's your what's your background? So I kind of grew up in the business. My father actually used to work. He was an accountant for Rotary way back in the day. Okay. Um, so that's how kind of we got into it. And I did, you know, plumbing and installs when I was in high school. When I was, uh, you know, over summers and I uh, right after college, I went and worked for ESPN for a couple of years and. Um, my father really needed some help, uh, really running the marketing. Um, and I kind of stepped in as a 23-year-old, 24-year-old, running a pretty significant budget at the time. Um, and uh, kind of figured it out from there. It's not like I, I, I'm like most people, you know, I kind of tripped into things. And sometimes it really works out when you trip into things. Trip, um, so it's not like, uh, you know, I had this grand scheme, uh, really running a marketing firm or, you know, uh, a review program or even doing our own businesses marketing it just you needed help and I was fresh and willing to learn and that's kind of how it happened fantastic so I mean that kind of gives us a sense of kind of where you came from kind of your your evolution within the business let's let's move to the to the topic at hand which is how in the world does a plumbing and HVAC company do enough marketing enough lead generation to produce 80 plus million dollars per year in revenue and um, you know, the way that this podcast is structured, the kind of the way that every interview flows is there's really three key elements to marketing. Uh, market, who do you sell to? Message, mm -hmm. what's your message? Why does somebody choose you versus the competition? And then media. So what, what media sources do you use to get that message in front of your ideal prospect? So let's start with, with market. Um, how do you guys define your ideal customer or that target market at Parker & Sons? So it really depends on what medium we're talking about. Is Now, we have a generalized, just like everybody else, 35 to 54. We generally skew a little bit more female because they're the ones who call in, right? Mm -hmm. uh, general homeowners, over a certain income. Uh, we all play that game. Um, but realistically, we break it down. Really, if you were to take our marketing success, and marketing is a small piece of what made us really grow, um, really it's actually the maximizing of revenue is what really made us grow because we have more money to spend, when you have more money to spend, you could get more calls. And when you got those calls, they were worth more to you. So it's like this snowball effect, right? But our audience really depends on what medium we're going after. We try to stay within that 35 to 54, um, but there are exceptions um, depending on what medium we're buying and what we're trying to do. Um, and really, it's for us, it's, you know, I'll kind of tackle kind of all three of these at the same time if you're okay with it. Absolutely. But for us, what we really did is, number one, we maximized the calls we were already getting. Um, and then we tried to own pieces. So what I mean by that is we were a big fish in small pond. I'm a big fan of doing that. And we started with, you know, we couldn't afford TV to start. We couldn't do branding. We couldn't do a lot of things that we do now, right? Um, and most companies can't do that effectively because you can't be a blip on the radar. You have to have a really strong presence. In our opinion, with where we're at now, we have to be the strongest presence, otherwise we won't do it. Um, but we started by really owning neighborhoods. Mm. So we just kept trying to find an audience where I knew if I bought that tiny radio station, I could own that tiny radio station, right? So that's how we were picking our audience to begin with. And then once we got you know, saturated that pond, we moved to another pond or you know, a bigger pond. It all depended on the situation. But you know, for us, especially in the beginning, but even now, it's about efficiency. So at one point, our cost per lead, when I mean lead, we actually define lead as a booked call, uh, was right around $12. Wow. Uh, which is pretty crazy low. I mean, the industry average is over 80, right? Yeah. Um, but it's because 
you know, we were trying to dominate small spaces and just maximize every dollar we spent and maximize every call that came in. Nice. So can you do, can you talk a little bit about how you go about dominating a small pond like that? I know you said buy a radio station and own it, but um, you know, just kind of explain that a little bit more. Well, there's three things that work in marketing, and they work without fail, without exception. Um, this is not groundbreaking things, but it, you know, some people don't think about this. There's three things. There's consistency, mm -hmm. there's frequency, and there's longevity. Now, the problem with that is all three of those things are actually pretty expensive, right? But if you get an area or a median or a radio station or a neighborhood where you're talking to a small enough audience, you can actually do all those three things. You can be in front of their face constantly, mm -hmm. not every day, not every minute, but making it seem like you're that way, right? So there's all kinds of strategies to doing that. Um, consistency, like we absolutely do not do summer campaigns. We advertise year round across the board. I know that when I advertise in off season, I'm growing market share mm. significantly. That's where I actually make the biggest gains. Mm. Now you also want to fish where the fish are biting, so of course we're advertising in the summertime, right? But I could get that consistency by having a small farm. And then, uh, what was the consistency previously? <laughs> Longevity. Longevity. We just, you know, if we're gonna turn something on and we base everything, we track everything, but if it's working, so for us, it's really anything under $25. If I'm getting a $25 cost per lead, which seems really low to most people, but, and that's for, I mean, I'll pay more for an install, I'll pay more for a dig job, obviously, but that's on average. Um, then I'm gonna keep doing it until it dies, more or less, right? I'm not doing that jump in, jump out campaign. I'm, I'm in for the long haul. I'm trying to build relationships. And when I, when I talk about owning a neighborhood, owning a radio station, I don't mean just buying a really comprehensive schedule. I mean, I have a relationship with them. Hey, they better be using me personally. Mm -hmm. um, they better be talking about us. We better get extra promotions. I'm going to leverage that relationship to actually gain access and viewership, right? Nice. Powerful, powerful stuff. And, you know, one of the things you mentioned earlier that, for those of you who are listening, make sure you write this one down because it's that important, is that the companies that can afford to spend the most to acquire the customer always win. Right, and so yeah. he led with, uh, you know, not I'm trying to spend the least amount in advertising. It was I'm trying to figure out how to maximize the revenue on a per customer basis so I can afford to spend more to acquire them. Can you talk a little bit about what you guys have done to to increase that average average transaction or that average value per customer? Yeah, really. I mean, there's a lot of things we focus a lot, and we do probably. Realistically, we probably do more training than at least anyone else I've visited in the, in the United States. And I've visited hundreds of companies. That's why we're so good is because I've repurposed ideas, right? Yeah. Um, so training is part of it. So we actually have a higher average ticket than most companies. We don't char our pricing is not, you know, I would say slightly above average, but nowhere near where some people are. We're not charging crazy rates. We're we're charging a fair wage, but we're good at talking about things. We're good about ending with opportunities. We're excellent at cross-selling. Mm. So anytime someone calls in for you know HVAC, you better believe at the end of the call, we're gonna ask about plumbing problems. Hey, do you have any leaky faucets? When's the last time you had water, your water here drain flush? Which by the way, no one ever does, right? Well, we can have a plumber out at the same time. Or simple things like adding a tune-up to a repair. Most companies do not do that. Imagine this situation, someone calls in, they have a repair, by the way, when you're doing a repair, you're doing like 80% of a tune-up anyway. So hey, instead of just leaving it is and sending out the repair, hey, while we're out there, why don't we do a tune-up at the same time? We'll do it right then and there. 
Now we are running a special. Normally it's $99. Right now we're going to do it for $69. So I'll put bill an extra hour into that call. So we could go ahead and do a tune up and make sure your warranty, uh, warranty is still out valid. Now what I've done there is increased every single call by $69. Right. And it's a bunch of small things like that. And it just, it adds up over time where I can outspend everybody else. I don't generally, we're actually not the biggest spender in Arizona by far, Mm. but because the way we've done it and the consistency and how long we've been doing it, we are absolutely the the highest top of mind company here in Arizona. But I mean, there's companies that actually spend almost double what we do, even though they're, you know, half or two thirds or 10% of the size. Wow. So I mean, one of the one of the keys that you just talked about there, and and I just want to kind of bring it back to the fore, is that it's having an aggressive marketing strategy, but also focusing on training. It sounds like you really understand if your CSR converts at a high level, that means every lead you get is going to be worth more, and then really hyper training the the technicians so when they get into the home, they know how to identify opportunities, create a larger ticket, and then cross sell because you're not just plumbing, you're not just HVAC. Yep. Ideally, yep. every HVAC lead becomes a plumbing lead. Every plumbing lead becomes an HVAC opportunity or customer. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's, I mean, a lot of people don't think, of C, we call them CCRs, but CSRs, it's, it's all semantics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't think of them as a profit generating center. They are if it's set up properly. We have CCRs, people who answer the phone, that make 100 grand a year because they sell so many maintenance agreements. Wow. They cross sell so much. That is a lot of money for answering the phones. And it's not like they just answer the phones. They're calling out. They're really active, right? But that is a ton of money. But it's not just CCRs. You know, It's absolutely making more money in the house. It's getting referrals from a large percentage of customers. We have an automated system for asking for referrals. Uh, it's cross-selling on the phone, cross-selling automatically over email text. It's asking for reviews and generating not that one-to-one referral, but that one-to-a-thousand, right? Mm-hmm. And just making sure that we're staying in contact with customers. I don't know. Realistically, I don't know anyone else uh, besides us that has a long-term nurture for customers. Um, you know, you, obviously, you know what a long-term nurture is, but essentially, hey, we stay in touch with customers, not through a newsletter, but through customized emails every single month, just checking in, not selling anything, not pushing anything, just trying to stay in front of them. So when they do have an issue, guess who they're more likely to call? Who's going to stick out more on a Google page, right? It's, it's us. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so powerful stuff. We talked a little bit about the, the market, the who you sell to. Um, let's talk a little bit about the message. So how do you uniquely position Parker & Sons so that somebody should choose you versus the competition? Yeah, so if every, anybody, uh, I know we had a couple people here in uh, Arizona that uh, are on this podcast as well. Um, you've seen our commercials. Um, we are essentially, we go after, there's three things you can advertise in our industry, right? Three things, period. Well, you can do crazy stuff, but three things that work. There's speed of service, which a lot of people do that, right? It's quality of service, or it's price. We don't want to compete with price, so we don't compete with price at all. A lot of people do, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not what we want to do. Uh, we somewhat compete in speed of service, but not realistically. What we really focus is on quality. So we actually create what we call a melting campaign. So this is actually an idea I stole from a pizza company in Cincinnati years and years ago. I'm actually originally from Cincinnati. I don't, I don't know if you can see the red jersey back there. <laughs> um, but what it was was the worst pizza delivery guy. So I actually had an epiphany. Like, here's the truth. We're like car mechanics. We're a grudge purchase. 
no one wants to do business with us. I've never had a customer be like, oh, I want some shiny new pipes, right? That just doesn't happen. True. Um, so they never want to do business with us, and they generally don't trust us as an industry because there's some people out there, and there's been all kinds of stings, and there's a lot of reasons for that, and I'm not going to go into <coughs> that. Um, but we decided to tackle it head on, and we use what we call a Melvin campaign. So it's actually common verbiage here to call someone a Melvin in, uh, Melvin in Phoenix, and you have no idea what that is, but anybody from Arizona knows what that is because uh, we branded the crap out of it. And it's basically, this is the person you don't want in your house because that's what people were thinking anyway. So we tackled it head on. We had this goofy character that we came up with uh, that was the anti-Parker and Sons. Mm. And then we would follow up with a family message, a, uh, you know, a caring, we care about you, we're the quality guy message, but by saying essentially, hey, you know, there's companies out there that would do something like that, but not us. We're going to do this, 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 this. And we're tackling, essentially tackling exactly what people think anyway. So that was kind of our our concept. Now, we're actually, you know, moving on to some new advertising here soon, a new campaign, but uh, we'll keep that under the hat for now. I like that. So the, so the idea was you recognize that people don't want to deal with you. It's, it's more they just have to get it done and that they don't trust you. So you led with what their expectation was, right? This this yeah. goofy guy, which I'm sure I can find one of these ads somewhere, and I'll post it on the on the page so you guys can get a sense. And um, that's that's the unique message that resonates with that customer because it right. catches them off guard. You're not just coming in and saying, "Hey, we're the good guys. We're going to show up on yeah. time." You got to be memorable. It's all about memorability. That's really in advertising. That's the and especially mass and brand advertising. It's the only thing that matters is memorability. It doesn't matter if you have a great message; they don't remember it. It's worthless. If you have a horrible message, but they remember it really well, it's still actually pretty valuable. Yeah. Um, obviously, you want both. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's essentially what we did. And we've done some pretty creative things outside of that, too. Um, like, if anybody's ever been to a, a sports stadium here in Arizona, you know, we, I was actually fe featured in the business magazine uh, for coming up with uh, uh, bathroom ads, which sounds weird to say. But uh, some, some unique concepts where we get undivided attention and just do things differently. We're trying to play in that small pond where I could own things, right? Nice, nice. Can you talk a little bit about that, like what you're doing at the sporting events? Yeah, so we're with the Dimebacks, we're with the Coyotes. We used to have a deal with ASU, we have a deal with the Suns. And what we did is, uh, so you've seen Johnny boards in the bathroom where it's like a, a board and it has like five ads on it, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's not what we're talking about. Okay. What I literally did is the Dimebacks came to me uh, years and years ago and said, hey, we, have the, uh, we want to do something with you. And I said, we walked through the stadium, we thought about some ideas. TV time is really not that important to me for a Diamondbacks game because you can't own it, right? I can't be that big fish in a small pond. So we started looking at the bathrooms, and I said, how much do these Johnny boards cost you? How much do you actually get for these Johnny boards a year? And we came up with the price, and I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take these Johnny boards off the wall, and I'm not going to replace them with my Johnny boards. I'm going to paint the wall. So what I mean by that is, if you go into the Diamondbacks restroom, there are literally the entire walls are painted with Parkinson's. Wow. Above every single urinal is a story, a joke, and an example with Parkinson's and our information. Hmm. On the back of every single stall door, right? What I'm doing there is, imagine another time, I can't think of any, where you really have 30 seconds of undivided attention. That's true. I mean, it's inappropriate to look around in the bathroom. Yeah. And if you're a woman, you're in the stall, there's nowhere else to look at, right? So I could tell a story there and be that big fish in a small pond for actually a pretty reasonable price. That is actually a very, very creative idea that I've never heard. So. 
kudos, kudos for, for kind of innovating that concept. Yeah, it's it's all it, it all goes back to the same thing. I wanted to, you know, it's you know part of that bathroom deal is no one else is allowed to be in there. Period. Uh, I own that bathroom. It's obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> they but can't. They can't. That's why I try to do with everything, right? That's the goal. That that's awesome. So we've talked a little bit about the market. We've talked a little bit about the message and kind of how you position yourself differently. Um, now let's talk about the media. We we spoke a little bit about sporting events, but obviously you guys have a very diverse marketing strategy. Uh, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the different media that you tap into to generate that attention, to be that big fish in the little pond that you keep referencing. Yeah, I mean, our pond has gotten bigger and bigger um, as we've grown. So so we do things that most people couldn't really effectively do. Like we, we do broadcast TV and we spend a lot of money on broadcast TV. We do radio and we spend a lot of money on radio. Um, we kind of go all over the board at this point, um, but we didn't start that way. Um, and I wouldn't suggest most companies doing what we're doing unless you're, you know, really willing to spend a lot of money. If you're spending a hundred grand on TV and you're in a major market. Don't do it. It doesn't make sense. Now you can do cable and you could zone and you can own a small area and do it. But you know, you have to own something. Otherwise it's really not worth doing. Mm. Um, just decide what you can own. Um, but nowadays we kind of, we're kind of all over the place. We have a pretty significant budget. We spend a lot on PPC. We spend a lot spend a decent amount on SEO. Um, we do TV, we do radio. The only thing we really don't do is direct mail. Okay. Um, and the only reason we don't do direct mail, I know lots of companies that love direct mail and swear by it. We haven't had real success at it. Uh, but beyond that, it's one of those things I just can't dominate. Mm -hmm. There's no way for me to own mail because anyone can do mail and everyone besides me does mail. Right. Um, so, Okay. Does that kind of answer your question? It does, it does. So let's drill down on TV a little bit. So obviously yeah. you're a big player. So for the vast majority of the, those listening, um, this strategy won't apply. But if we're, we're trying to pick the brain of a $80 million plumbing HVAC business. Are, are you running on the on the networks? Are you running on cable? What's kind of yes. the mix on that regard? Yes. All um, of the above. So, so even on TV, we're still running you know big fish, small pond things, right? So... I can't, I can't own Channel 5 effectively. Mm. Um, but what I can do is own certain segments, certain day parts, certain times. So we actually roadblock quite a bit. And what roadblock means that really no matter what channel you're watching during a certain time of a certain type of program, you're going to see us whether you want to or not. And we buy frequency campaigns. Um, so you know we're getting a lot of mentions. Uh, we're owning certain day parts, right? And really what we're focusing on is things that aren't easily or often DVR. Um, mm -hmm. So things like news, local news is not DVR very often. Um, crazy shows like Judge Judy, there's people who watch Judge Judy or Family Feud, you know, religiously, um, they don't record them. So that's a good place for us to be. Um, so that's what we do. We On TV, really what we're doing is yes, we do cable, but only specific types of cable. We're, we're looking for things that don't get DVR. You'll never see us on, I don't say never, but you wouldn't see us on like The Walking Dead on AMC because mm -hmm. I just know it's not frequent enough for me to get, you know, if it runs once a week, I can't be that dominant presence. Mm -hmm. I can't, right? But, you know, the Channel 3 News at 7, 8, and 9, I could run three spots every single hour and then have a campaign where they mention me three times an hour on top of that and really own something, right? Where I don't care how much you're spending on that station, I'm the only one with that sponsorship. I'm going to have more of a presence than you could ever have. 
Um, and that's the game, way we play TV right now. And that's awesome. It's a great point, which you don't often think about, is the propensity to have something DVR. Because if they're just going to DVR it, they're going to skip right past your ad, and you'll have you know, virtually no bang for your buck. So uh, yeah. that's a great yeah, insight. Yeah, so a lot of people really don't realize, especially in our industry, there's really two numbers they're going to give you. So you know, you got your uh, Nielsen numbers or whatever program they're using. Most people on TV use Nielsen. Uh, but when that TV station gives it to you, they're generally giving you a plus seven number. So what that means is it's been watched in the last seven or seven days after it ran. To me, that's actually not that valuable because no one's going to sit and watch my commercial if it's recorded. So I actually use just the live numbers. So I, sometimes I could justify a plus one. Um, but when you're, whenever you're pulling TV, cable, whatever, uh, make sure you're pulling live numbers instead of plus seven. They're going to want to give you plus seven because it makes it look better. But for our industry, it's, we just can't drive excitement. You know, we just have to be memorable. So people aren't going to stop and watch our commercials. It's just not going to happen. So it needs to be watched live, more or less. Great, great point, great insight. So uh, Brenda's chiming in with a quick question, and we want your questions, guys, because we're doing this live. Uh, she was, what kind of campaign do you have where you're mentioned outside of the commercials on news? Um, so we do sponsorships. So um, if we're talking about TV specifically, we do uh, uh closed caption brought to you by where we're getting mentioned twice at the program. Mm -hmm. We we do a ending screen where they mention us, uh, sponsorship brought by. Like on channel three, we have 103 degree contests, right? So the first customer to choose a 103 degrees gets mentioned five times in every newscast. Closest one wins a cruise that we give away. Um, it's about sponsorships. It's about trying to, and especially this year, because it's a political year, the beauty of that is sponsorships don't get pumped because mm -hmm. they're in program material. Yeah. So there's no risk of that. Come now, this year won't be that big, but presidential year, it's always a nightmare. Yeah. I don't have to worry about a lot of that stuff. Very, very great, great insights. You know, really appreciate you opening the kimono and sharing some things we don't often get to kind of see into. So this this is awesome. Thank you for sharing. Um, so we talked about TV. How about how about radio? There's obviously a little bit different play on radio. What's what's the strategy as it, as it relates to radio for you guys? So radio is really is. I mean, it's different, but it's the same strategy. I'm still trying to own day parts, right? So we do talk formats. I'm not the biggest fan of music formats. I think it's harder to win on mm. because your commercials stick out more, right? Um, generally, I like to do endorsements where I get to own a certain segment and I get to you know, borrow that, that endorser's authority. So having the right endorser is really important too. You have to choose someone who's not necessarily controversial, but someone who gets attention and someone that you trust. Like, I've seen people do like Steve Nash, you know what I mean? I wouldn't do Steve Nash because you don't really know anything about Steve Nash except for the fact that he plays bas basketball. But a political, uh, someone on a radio station that talks politics all day, they know everything about him. And if they like him, they trust him, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you get the right type of endorsement. And then at the same time, we do, uh, we do uh, sponsorships. So we might do uh, a sponsor of the weathering materials. So we're, going up every 30 minutes for 15 seconds where they talk about us, right? Or, um, you know, we do live reads, all, all things where we can try own stuff. So it's kind of, it's the same strategy, just you're implementing a little bit differently. Excellent. Yeah, so that, I mean, that, that, that's great. So it's not necessarily the, hey, need a plumber, we're your guys type of ad. It's really more of a, um, you, know, you know, this is brought to you by Parker and Sons or one of the hosts speaking about their experience with you guys, that type of stuff. 
Yeah, and the key for radio, radio is actually really, really effective right now, and not just for me, but for people across the United States. And uh, the way to make it effective is to leverage that relationship. Um, so, like that cruise promotion I said with 103 degree contest, we don't pay for that. Uh, we're giving away a cruise, which costs very low compared to the actual spots. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, you know, I mean, staying in front of them, having them talk to you. By the way, when it gets cold outside, and here in Arizona, no one insulates their pipes, so pipes freeze and they burst, right? Not very often, it's Arizona, but you better believe they're calling one company to do that interview. Mm. Every TV station does it, it's me. Because nice. <laughs> I make sure I'm the first call they make for everything, right? If it's a hailstorm, if it's whatever it is, I'm leveraging that relationship to make sure I get as much access and uh, promotion as I possibly can. Fantastic. So that's broadcast. I mean, obviously you guys have a pretty pretty proactive broadcast media play. Um, anything with, so there's two things outside broadcast that, um, anything with like satellite radio or internet radio that you guys have been testing and, and seen results with? You know, we tested pre-rolls. I think pre-rolls will be really effective in the future. We haven't had a lot of success with it. Okay. I don't know anyone who actually has yet, but it will become more and more prevalent. Um, but no, we don't, like we've tried, you know, Pandora, we tried Spotify. Um, it's it's just voice. It's share of voice. I can't, like physically cannot possibly buy enough spots on Pandora for me to be dominant. Mm. So it's a place we tested pretty significantly, but we never really saw the results. Okay, so kind of like us. it kind of I mean, like disappears into white noise because there's so many other people hearing it that it's yeah, not because you get, I mean, in Pandora, you could you are only allowed to buy one spot every other hour. Mm-hmm. Um, so how many people really listen? You know, consistently, it's generally your drive time, right? So I'm not even catching every day, more or less, uh, depending how much you drive, right? But if I'm not catching someone every day with a 30-second spot, and that's the only thing I could do, it's pretty hard to really stay top of mind. Got it. Ma- makes sense. Billboard ads? Uh, you guys do any of that, or does it not make sense we, in your market? Yeah, we do do billboards. Um, but here's what I would say about billboards. I love billboards for us but only because I've spent a lot of money building the name and recognition. Uh, we actually have a really creative baby campaign right now, which uh, is working really well. But I would not suggest billboards for someone who doesn't have, you know, I'm not under the impression that, you know, we're this gigantic name, right? We do have some uh, good, you know, aided uh, recognition meetings. So if I said, hey, you ever heard Parker and Sons? Uh, people would say yes uh, at a good percentage. If I asked, you know, do you know a plumbing HVAC company? Very few people would say Parker and Sons, mm. right? Um, and realistically, as crazy as it sounds, you know, we'll do $100 million this year. Uh, we have about 5% market share. That's it. Wow. So maybe That's 95 incredible. out of 100 here in Phoenix wouldn't even use us. Um, so think about that, how big a market that is, right? That's unbelievable. Um, yeah, but billboards, I think billboards can work really well depending on your business, depending mm-hmm. on how creative you are and uh, really how well your name's recognized. I would not be your, it would not be my first thing by any means. Got it, Make, makes sense. So we talked uh, broadcast, we talked some of that other stuff. You mentioned internet and SEO, we'll, we'll talk a little yeah. bit about that, but uh, are you still active in the yellow pages there in Phoenix or is that kind of gone by the wayside? I still am, okay. um, but, but more specifically, it's the same thing, it's about efficiency, right? So here's what happened with the yellow pages. Yellow pages started losing uh, readership mm-hmm. and a bunch of advertiser dropped out um, so even though readership was going down the competition was going down so I ended up having a stronger presence 
Now we do play the A game, um, so we're not doing those double truck ads anymore. We're doing in-column ads. We're guaranteeing first position. Uh, we actually have literally the business license A, um, so no one could be possibly alphabetically in front of me. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's still, uh, you know, Yellow Pages, especially in retirement communities or older areas, one of our best bang for bucks. We have an under under $10 cost per lead. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's funny, I, I hear so many people say, just based on their sense that people don't look at Yellow Pages anymore, that it's a dead medium and it's not worth spending money in. Uh, but a lot of the big guys like yourself that really know their numbers and are tracking things find that it, it still generates a good return on investment. So it just makes sense to be there. Yeah, I mean, and the key is, I mean, I've heard all kinds of people say, you know, radio is dead, you know, Yellow Pages is dead, newspaper is dead. Now we don't do newspaper either. I know companies, huge companies, that are driven almost exclusively by radio, like Four Seasons Chicago, has a ridiculous new, or a newspaper. Sorry, has a ridiculous newspaper budget, and they mm. kill it off of it. Wow. Um, if done properly, and you're doing it smart, and you track things, I mean, there, there's all kinds of things that still work that people think are dead. Yeah, great, great insight. So, before we dive to the internet stuff, how about public relations, public engagement, trade shows, home shows? Do you guys rely on that at all for lead generation and business development? I mean, we're real big on social proof. Okay. Um, so, in ways, yeah, we we have PR campaigns, but not ones that we run, like like that Channel 300 three degree contest. You better believe I require them to hire a PR firm to push it. Mm. Uh, you know, we donated uh, half a million dollars to Special Olympics, right? Wow. Special Olympics drove that business for us. We actually made money off it. It was a win-win-win, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that way we do PR. Outside of that, we don't really do trade shows. Um, it's not that you can't make money on them. Um, it's about efficiency for us. So we found that we were chasing our tails a lot. We aren't great, not that you can't be, but we aren't great at following up those leads afterwards and closing a lot of them. So yeah. the time spent and the money spent really wasn't making financial sense for us. But I know companies that do amazing at it. It just depends on how you're set up. Excellent, excellent. So, so let, now let's talk a little bit about internet. We don't have to talk a lot about it, but talk to us a little bit about what you're doing from an internet marketing perspective. Yeah, um, obviously we're doing you know PPC or SEM. We're buying keywords. Uh, we tend to focus on long tail keywords, okay, um, because it's about efficiency. If I'm paying you know eighty dollars for a lead, I can't get a twenty-five dollar or eighty dollars for a click, I can't get a twenty-five dollar lead. It's not possible, right. right? That being said, if it's an install, I'll pay eighty dollars all day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it all depends, right? So we do PPC, we do SEO, we do remarketing. So we're following up, you know, cyber stalking customers for a few days. Yeah. Um, and then we buy leads too. So you know, we have a special deal with Home Advisor. You know, we have uh, a special deal with uh, ASM Air. If you guys know who that is, um, really a bunch of companies. As long as it makes financial sense and we can follow up and track it, um, I buy leads from anyone. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter to me. It's uh, there are no bad leads uh, to a point. For the most part, there's not. It's, it's about efficiency. So if I could buy, you know, uh, 10 bad leads at 10 bucks and I close three of them, that's still a win. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, right. I'm not mad at that, right? Um, and we have the ability to follow up with people pretty effectively. We have a pretty big call center. So, you know, we could be very timely compared to other people. So we have an advantage there. So, we do a lot of stuff digitally, and we're doing more and more digitally just because that's where people are going. Um, I mean, that's how we started a review program. I mean, last month alone, we got 500 reviews on third-party sites. That's insane. Um, 
it blew up our home advisor. Like we kill it in our home advisor now because we have like 10 times the next closest company's reviews. Um, it's a review platform. So is Google. So is Yelp. So mm-hmm. is Facebook. And everybody's got their issues on each of those. But, you know, it's important to customers. It's important to us. So it's interesting with all the leads you guys probably get through branding that you're, that you're buying home advisor leads and you're probably all in on that. Um, you know, a lot of people's big qualm with it is they get bad leads. They, by yep. the time they talk to the person, the lead's already gone flat. Um, it sounds like you had something unique with the way that your call center handles it that makes it work for you. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I can't go into Home Advisor too much because we have a special agreement with okay. them. Um, so we're not a normal Home Advisor company. All right. um, home Advisor is really a speed game. It's how fast you can answer. And you, you're right. You will get dead leads where they're no good coming straight from the beginning. You have to be aware of that. And you have to manage that. And you have to have a system for that. And most importantly, you got to track. Um, what really is a bad lead could be different to each company, um, but it's it's about your closing percentage. What's your actual cost per book call? Um, you could chase down a few bad leads if, if that still makes sense, right? Um, so does that kind of answer? Yeah, it does. I mean, just make sure you've yeah. got a mechanism, almost like a, like a sales team, to follow up on those leads, even if you're a small oh, yeah. player. Yeah, we have a whole team specifically. So, you know, we also have a deal with Costco. We're uh, in Home Advisor. Uh, you know, we have a, a literal physical team here that focuses just on um, buying leads, essentially, and then following up with them. Nice. Yeah, so I think the, the, the key there for you as a listener, whether you're a, a little small player or a massive player, or you're kind of somewhere in between, if you're going to play with the home lead buying services, you need somebody whose core function, and maybe it's you, is to the second the lead comes in, follow up immediately and have a multiple touch process to follow up with yep. those leads. Yep, assign responsibility. If, if no one's in charge of it, uh, or if everyone's in charge of it, no one's in charge of it, right? And that's how you fail on systems like a home advisor. Yeah. So, so two quick follow-up questions on this, because we're, we're, you know, I, I think that this is going to be interesting. Obviously, and you may or may not be comfortable talking about this, but you guys spent a lot in advertising. Um, I'd, yeah. I'd be yeah. curious to say, as a percentage, how much do you guys reinvesting in advertising and marketing? Well, what I do is not what I would suggest for other people. Okay. Um, ours is really low, actually. Okay. So, uh, ours is about four to four and a half percent. Okay. Has it always been at that number, or was there a point in time where you had this? No, at uh, one point we're all the way up to six, six and a half. Okay. But we've never been that aggressive at spending marketing. What we're really aggressive is maximizing the value uh, of customers and being really efficient with that marketing. By okay. having a tighter budget, it forced us to. You know, we hired people. We had to keep them busy. Um, we didn't change our budget to do that. We got creative. Yeah, and I mean, kind of do the math, right? 80, 80 million, four and a half. There, there's a massive budget there. Um, yeah, it's a big budget. There's no doubt. <laughs> the other question is for you guys, since you do so much on the branding side, and this is probably the more interesting question, if you have off the top of your head, what percentage of that goes to internet marketing versus all of the other? You know, if you had to carve your mat, your budget. Into into pieces. How much of it actually goes to the internet marketing stuff? About a quarter. Okay. About a quarter goes into internet. Twenty five percent. Yeah. Okay. And I, I think you know that that's going to differ as a large company versus a little company. But I think the insight that I want all of you to glean from this is you should not be one hundred percent in any one medium. I see oh, so no, many of you. Not. You just want to put one hundred percent of your marketing into internet, and that's great. You know, internet is where it's at. But you need to have a diversified strategy, and it should not be 100%. Would you agree with that? 
I 100% agree with that. So many companies buy now. There's really two types of lead or two types of advertising. Ultimately, right? There's direct response and then there's branding based, right? Um, I never am a fan of anybody doing one exclusively over the other, right? So internet's a direct response system, right? You're getting calls right then and there, and there's beauty to it because you can turn on and off. You know how much you're paying. It's very easily trackable. There's a lot of benefits, but after that ad is shown and disappears. It has zero value. It's gone forever, right? Branding is the exact opposite. It's very hard to track, um, but it's a long-term play, right? That that branding sticks with people for a long time. Mm. So you have to be able to do both because they influence each other. That's a powerful insight. That's a powerful insight, I guess. I just wanted you guys to ponder that, the fact that direct response has immediate gratification. It's easy to track, right, like, like you just said, and it, but it's, it's here and it's gone. The money invested in your branding, the TV, the radio, the the other stuff, uh, has a long-term impact that stays with people. And that's why you yep. can't just ignore the branding side of the equation. Yeah. And when you're small, you're, you're going to skew more direct response. And as you grow, you'll skew more and more branding because your capabilities change. Yeah. But you got to do both no matter what. I mean, branding is, there's different levels of branding, different ways of branding. Any company, regardless of size, could do branding. You're just going to be branding to a smaller group. Yeah. Realistically. Great, great point. And actually, Brenda just posted a question that I was thinking myself. It was the next question I had written down. So, Brenda, we're right in sync on this stuff. How do you track all of this? And what's the best way to track which lead sources are generating return, et cetera? Um, so there's a lot of ways to track. In general, we use tracking numbers for almost everything. Mm -hmm. um, now, we don't do it for branding campaigns because we have a branded phone number. And then realistically, like those bathroom ads, it happens, but it's super weird when it happens. Very few people call us from the bathroom. They're sitting on the john and they, and they plug the number yeah. in, right? It, it literally has happened. It literally has happened. He goes, I'm at the bathroom right now, and I know I have a plumbing leak. I had to leave to go to the baseball game. I was like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> but it's very rare where that happens. But on any direct response, we use tracking. <laughs> um, we obviously link source on the phone. Uh, we use a company called, uh, I don't know if your company dropping this, but a company called Service Hook okay. that records all of our calls and then scores them and and grades each CCR okay. uh, on whether they left, left opportunities or not. Um, that's kind of an international company. I don't know if you want to do that or not. It all depends what you want to do. But you need to be listening to calls at some point, right? Uh, at least at some level. And it's it's just tracking calls. We literally track actual physical calls. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, service hook, call source, two great services that, that'll help do this. Uh, service Titan, a great platform, Brenda, if you're looking for something that can track the call back to the lead source down a little bit there, John. Uh, and then dispatch it out, there's some great mechanisms for, for that. Are you still hearing me, Josh, or did I cut out? Josh, I'm, I'm losing you a little bit. Your your internet's a little, a little slow. Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Okay. There you go. All right. Sorry, sorry about that, guys. I hopefully... Hopefully we're back online here. Yeah. All right, so so let's talk about out of all of those marketing sources, what seems to work best? What seems to generate the the, the most new leads for you? Um, of all the marketing sources, what generates the most leads? I mean, we're kind of all over the board is the truth. We're, we're spread far enough or wide enough that, um, you know, we need them all. all right. <laughs> we have a lot of people, we need them all. If you're looking for something like for a small company that really just blows out of the water, 
it really depends on the market. Like I've helped lots of companies kind of across the United States on mass marketing and media buying in general. Um, uh, key is you really want to do a few things. You want to find somewhere you can dominate, um, find somewhere where your competition isn't, right? and find a correct audience. It all depends on what that is. Um, some markets are way more competitive than others, and there's some things where people own a presence already. If you were to come into Phoenix, I could tell you, you cannot dominate certain radio stations because you can never catch up with me, no matter how much you spend. So I, I always hesitate to give like a direct answer, like, hey, if, if you had to do one thing only right now, if I had to do one thing only, we'd be sunk. Powerful. So make just make sure you've got a diversified mix, and then find yeah. your niche because there might be some opportunity that's been unutilized that um, that could be a good play. For sure, absolutely. So now I want to shift to something that I know is near and dear to you, close to your heart: uh, online reviews and reputation. You guys have literally maybe tens of thousands of reviews at this point. Uh. Well, we started uh, Review Kangaroo actually, you know, running it last January. So I think Parker okay. and Sun's gotten 5,000 reviews since then. Wow. So let, let's talk a little bit about that, kind of the genesis of the, the need for reviews and then, you know, why why Review Kangaroo, um, what's unique about it. Let's, let's just talk about that. Yeah. So, I mean, truthfully, I was scratching my own itch. Um, I worked with companies across the United States. I literally at one point had hired... And we won't name names here, but I've probably hired almost every review system out there trying to figure it out. And the truth is when we started the program and started building it, you know, we were running 500 calls a day. And when you run 500 calls a day, you're bound to make a mistake almost every day. And what would happen is we would get one or two negative reviews a week. Mm. And we wouldn't get any positive reviews, even when we were using services. Um, so I actually got a bunch of people I knew across the industry really home services, not just HVAC and plumbing. So we got roofers in there. We got electricians kind of across the board. Uh, flew everybody to Vegas and stuck them in a room and locked them in and said, hey, we're coming up with the perfect idea. Um, and that's kind of how it started. And I really didn't have a plan on selling it originally. It just, I needed to, you know, own my own space, right? I needed to dominate that small pond, uh, which Google's no small pond, but at the time, and really right now, it still is because no one's really doing it effectively. Um, so uh, the difference between our system and every other system is pretty significant. Really, you would have to see it to understand, but basically we run parent-child accounts, uh, which is a really complicated way of saying that you own everything. Um, we have a complete system. Everything's run through your website. We make it about a person. We are the only one still approved to actually screen or uh, reviews by Google. Um, and, you know, we're driving in a different way than everybody else. We don't send a single text message. We don't send a single email. We do chains where we follow people, where we not only ask for reviews, but we actively cross up for you. So whether your texts or CCRs are good or not, I'm gonna make them somewhat good. I'm gonna do it automatically whether they want to or not. Obviously, they talk about it on top of it, even better, right? Um, but we just have a much more active system really built specifically for home service companies. And you know, we get pretty good results, not just in reviews, but I. I think last study I saw uh, from our, our, you know, we pull our own data, obviously. Um, our average client grows about 15% in revenue the first six months of the program. Wow. That's that's awesome. So, so I mean, you know, Josh had the need to have a really good review system. He developed one. It's called Review Kangaroo. Uh, I put a link to it here on the on the chat. So if you want to check it out, a lot of our clients use it. It's a, it's a great platform. 
Um, there are some really unique things about the way that the system requests the review that result in less reviews getting filtered and unaccepted by sites like Yelp and Google and Facebook. So that's pretty important, especially with all the new changes in those, in those, in those review sites. You need online reviews. You need to be able to get them consistently. So, um, you know, it's worth checking out. You know, obviously it's working great for Josh and uh, it's working yeah. great for a lot of our, our clients. Anything else we should cover on the on the topic of reviews or review kangaroo? I mean, here's what I would say about reviews real simply. It's it's a space that's becoming more and more prevalent, more and more important. For our industry, it's about 87% of people look us up before they do business with us. So almost nine out of 10. Um, here's what I would say. I, I personally, I'm a little biased, but I, I've seen the results from everybody else too. I know we have the best system for home service companies, but if you don't want to use us, use somebody, do something. The last thing you want is to be falling behind on something that is so important and is really groundbreaking for our industry. People aren't doing it right now. Get ahead, stay ahead, and, and you know, dominate your competition. Yeah, that, that, that's just an absolute no-brainer. So quick follow-up question from Brenda, yeah. and she, she asks, are you guys big on social media? You know, companies have boomed by spending on social media like Facebook. Are you, how are you guys leveraging that? So we, we actually are not nearly as good at this as we should be, is the honest truth. Um, social media, we do posts on social media. We don't do a great job. We actually use it mainly for a uh, recruitment tool, and we actually do really well for that. Um, we have to recruit a lot of people, obviously. Um, but as far as social media, I know companies that dominate on social media and grow their business. I was talking to a, a newest, a new member for Review Kangaroo. They went from four to forty million in three years. Wow! Exclusively on social media, amazing results. I can't repeat those results. Like I just, I, I tried. <laughs> I haven't figured out a way to make social media work. I know a lot of people do though. Um, you know, at a certain size and a certain scale. You know, we're just like everybody else. We have strong suits and we have weak suits. Um, social media is definitely one of our weaker, weaker advertising tools. Awesome. But I, I'd love an introduction to that, whoever that contractor is, so I can pick their brain and possibly have them on the podcast. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Um, okay, great question, Brendan. And guys, if you have follow-up questions right now, we're still we're still live. You have a unique opportunity to, to get an amazing, uh, you know, an amazing marketer's uh, attention and kind of get his his. Uh, feedback. So post your questions if you have them. Um, one of the questions I always like to ask as we get to kind of the close of these interviews is what what is it you know what what training organizations and groups have been helpful for you to kind of accelerate the growth of your company and get to where you're at today? I mean, we do a lot of our own in-house training and we hire people for training. Um, like we are Nextstar members, realistically, uh, we were fairly recently Nextstar members and we don't use that program as well as we would. Uh, we're on the board for EGIA. Um, we, you know, we had grown some from them. But realistically, to be 100% honest, I'm not that normal business. I actually think uh, there are some amazing groups out there that really grow people's businesses. Mm. I, I learn by visiting. Um, and now we do think something called a jam session too. If anybody wants, and then by maybe we could send it after this. Uh, we actually have, what we did is once we got to a certain size, I went from stop visiting businesses and I visited hundreds to literally having them come in uh, to our office. And we have, you know, five to 10 companies, generally pretty large. And we rotate most of them out and we talk about a topic and share ideas. Uh, we actually record those now. We do presentations and we actually 
um, sell those to companies if you ever wanted to join that. But that's really how we kind of grew and, and repurposed ideas is, you know, face-to-face interactions with other, you know, business owners, with other home service companies. We were never very good about using, um, you know, a, a, uh, a training group mm. necessarily. So and, I, and that being said, you know, we're an old blue dog company, you know, we have, uh, if everybody knows the industry, I mean, we got a lot of stuff from that and that was our basis, right? Okay. And, uh, you know, if anybody knows anything about Blue Dot, love her or hate them, you're going to take the top 25 companies sideways in the United States, probably 20 of them are all Blue Dot companies. Mm. So something was working. Something, yeah, something there. So, I mean, that sounds like a pretty amazing opportunity to, to connect with you and kind of have one of these jam sessions. Can you talk a little bit about what the what somebody would do to get access to that or to learn more about it? Uh, I could probably send you a link right after this. Okay. Essentially, we we have uh, we give away one for free for everybody just to check out and to learn. Okay, um, it's kind of our story and how we grew from you know six to eighty million. We cut it last year, um, or earlier this year, uh, six to eighty million. Um, and then essentially, there's a sign up page right there, and we do a monthly webinar once a month where it's an actual business owner, it's a home service provider pulling back the curtains on their own business and sharing what made them grow. And the key there is it's actionable information. I, I personally, like I go to a lot of conferences and stuff and I never like a, you know, it's all, you know, theoretical, high, you know, high and up in the clouds thought process. To me, that's just not as helpful. So everything, everything we do, you watch a jam session, we'll give you the free one. Um, I guarantee you'll have five to 10 things that you'll try to execute that week. That because. sounds yeah. That sounds really really cool. And so yeah, I'll, I'll make sure each of you guys that are on live or watching this after the fact, there's a link on the page where you can learn more about that. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. I so, saw a, a question from Bill here. Do we want to tackle that? Absolutely. So Bill's question is: Do you give free estimates on site over the phone, or have a trip charge up front? Yeah, we never give pricing over the phone, ever, 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 with the exception of tune-ups. Uh, we never charge a trip charge. Um, I'm not a fan of trip charges. Um, but let me explain that. Um, trip charges are a way for a customer to essentially tell you no. I don't want any reason for their customer not to do business with us. So some companies do charge a trip charge just to come out. And I think that's personally crazy. That's uh, We don't do that. Now what we do have is a small diagnostic fee. Now it's $69, but the beauty of that is if you do any work at all, by the way, you know you need some work done, uh, we'll go ahead and waive that. So it literally cost us nothing to come out. So what I've done is overcome the objection there because now it's free. Now I'm doing a $69 diagnostic and sometimes I have to plan, explain why why we do that because we have to take our tools and that's the time invested to diagnose your system and give you a firm estimate on whatever, whatever the fix is, right? Um, but I've tackled and removed that objection by doing that. So really so, we're talking about semantics, really more, more importantly positioning the same thing, right? There yeah. is a, a $69 a buzzword, diagnostic a fee which makes sense as the, as the buyer, where a trip charge, what, you're just gonna charge me just to show just up? Just to come out? Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's power it's in the words and the messaging, and um, you know, tweaking little things like that can have a massive impact. So great question, uh, Bill. Huh. He says diagnostic fee, good, with two thumbs up. <laughs> awesome. Well, I mean, I, I wanna be respectful of your time. We're about an hour in, but we get a large group with us still, so if you have questions, feel free to post them in. But I like to wrap with one final question, and that's, you know, do you have any additional insights or nuggets of wisdom? Uh, what would you say to that plumbing or HVAC business owner that's just trying to get to the next level? What would you What would you say to them? 
I mean, there's a lot of nuggets I could drop. Um, some of those will be on those jam sessions too. But um, I mean, here, here's what I would say really simply. If you're, depending on your size, it's not really, but it's about efficiency. It's about maximizing the calls you already get. It's way easier to make money off uh, existing customers than it is new customers. Um, simple things like, you know, hey, if you want to solve any problem in your business, literally any problem whatsoever, start having meetings. Um, if you meet on something, if it's important enough once a day uh, or once a week um, and you get everybody in a room, just the annoyance of being in a room every single time will automatically make you start coming up with ideas. You can literally solve any problem by just being enough on it. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. That's a that's a broad question, man. Yeah. No, no, I think that's good. I think you, sh- you shared tremendous value and tremendous insight. So, Thank you so much for your generosity. Thanks for sharing. Um, for those of you that, that are listening, um, definitely go to plumbingmarketing.net. Uh, I will have a, a specific page for this interview uh, in the next 24 hours or so. Uh, and I'll be sure to link to information about the jam session, uh, link to the review kangaroo so you can learn more about that. And um, Josh, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I hope I provide value for everybody. and. You know, if you guys need additional information, I mean, there's a reason we are as big as we are. It's because I've met a lot of people that's influenced me, and I am absolutely of the opinion that I owe it to every other contractor to provide value to them, too. Um, So if you have questions, I always am an open book. Unless I'm specifically told not to share something, I will share it. (laughs) Um, So don't hesitate to reach out to me or to our business or certainly check out those jam sessions too. They're pretty powerful stuff. So best way to reach them would be through the link or is there some other mechanism you recommend? You can do the link or truthfully, you could just, you know, shoot us an email, my email. I'll give you my personal email. It's just josh at reviewkangaroo.com. Pretty simple. Or uh, that's probably your best way of getting a hold of me. I'm not always available by phone, but you can always call the office here too. Um, number is 602-456-8832. Awesome. So now you've got Josh's contact information. A lot of people in comments saying, wow, thanks, Josh. This was great. Thanks for sharing. Uh, this was an amazing, an amazing interview. You did not fail to, uh, to bring the good. So thank you for doing that. Uh, for those of you listening, if you'd like to hear interviews like this with other highly successful plumbing and HVAC business owners, operators, and marketers, be sure to go to plumbingmarketing.net. There you can subscribe. You'll get alerted as new episodes are posted. You also have access to our archive at this point, 20-plus interviews just like this with really successful folks. So thanks for joining us. For those of you that joined us live, thanks for joining us here, and we'll catch you on a future episode of the Plumbing and HVAC Marketing Show.